If you have your Bible this morning, if you turn with me to Romans 13, Romans 13, beginning in verse 11. The title of my sermon this morning is, What Time Is It? We're going to keep track of the time this morning. So let's look together at God's Word. And do this knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness or lust or strife or envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. People are always asking us, what time is it? My wife asked me that two or three times a day. What time is it? I bet, have you ever thought about computing how many times in your life you've been asked, what time is it? I mean, that would be a big, big number, wouldn't it? It really would. Well, of course, the uh, answer to that question varies. If somebody asked you what time it was right now, you could say, well, it's 5 till 11. That's what time it is, 5 till 11. It's about an hour and a half until a good lunch. It's about two and a half hours until a good nap. <laughs> now, for some, it's not that long. <laughs> we have equal oppor- opportunity sleeping here. <laughs> it's a time uh, of morally and ethically darkness is spreading across the pages of our newspaper across our land it's a time of warfare and frivolity it's a time of love and anxiety it's a time of huge stock uh, markets uh, fluctuations if we were to ask the apostle paul who wrote our text today what time it is right now what what would he say What would his answer be? I believe that he speaks to that question in our text this morning. It's all about what time is it? Paul says that our day is a time of darkness and of light. Paul says that even in the church, there are some people who are causing the clouds of evil around us. Paul says that there is some quarreling, some jealousy, even among the people of God. Paul says some Christians are trying to escape unpleasantness by drunkenness and other excesses. The scripture leads us to believe that ours is not only a time of church issues, but also of cultural issues. I've said many, many times there is a coarsening in our society. You know, it's getting rougher every year. Uh, I know that some of you remember back in the uh, 40s, you remember when 
you know, nobody would think about wearing some of the clothes that everybody wears to Walmart today. <laughs> you can really be embarrassed at Walmart, I want to tell you. I don't know if you've seen that thing on the Internet where it shows all these pictures of people at Walmart. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. Well, there is a coarsening in our society, in the language. You know, you uh, have these shows on TV, and uh, you, you can almost keep track of which words they're letting people say. You know, each year it changes, and each year it gets worse. You know, now they're letting them say this word. Now they're letting them say this word. And uh, it's just terrible. Well, we're having the same issues that Paul did in his day. Selfishness, perversion, and greed, they are present in every decade, every single one. But then on the other time, other hand, it's not only a time of darkness, but it's also a time of light. It's just 21 days till Christmas. You know, that's a, that brings a brightness in our hearts and in our lives. We like that. You know, I was walking around saying hi to everybody this morning. Everybody's in a good mood, good mood it seems like. I like that. You know, in the early service today, everybody was in a good mood. We had uh, uh, a good service. Uh, it was a good spirit. You know, I like to think about uh, the manger during Christmas time. Do you have a picture or a little uh, display of the manger somewhere in your house? You know, it kind of brings our focus back to what it ought to be. You know, the Christ child was important. He was the Messiah. He's our Savior. It was real, real important. I mean, that was the big thing. That was the main thing. You know, we... Uh, do our date according to his birth and his death. Uh, it's, it's important. Well, there's always good and bad around our lives. We all know that. Uh, we live in a time of personal darkness for some folks, where on a day-to-day -day basis some are able to are unable to get along with their fellow human beings. There's a lot of people like that. I, I think I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I don't honk at anybody anymore. Uh, you know, you honk somebody, they're liable to shoot you. So I don't honk at anybody, no matter what. Uh, you know, some people, I mean, they'll just go nuts over anything. Uh, no matter what's going on in the world at, at large, there's always misery when you put certain people together. Uh, there's quarreling, there's unhappiness, there's is bitterness when certain people get together. Now, let me ask you an honest question. Don't raise your hand. Is there anybody in your family that you just don't get along with at all? At all? Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how that uh, works out. Whenever my mother and one of my cousins got together over the years, there was an impending problem of large proportions. They did not get along. Uh, they would not be in the same room very long before my mother would make some needling comment. Uh, my cousin would then make some loud, erratic noise. It was a weird noise. He would make that noise, and then he would stomp out of the room. 
And sometimes he would stomp out of the room without making that loud, uh, erratic noise. Uh, But you could tell, I mean, there was no love lost between those two. I remember as a little boy, I heard my mother say to him one time, when did you first realize that you were a moron? You know, it's hard to, you know, get real high on the relationship scale after you say that. You know, it makes it harder. We have brawls at football games. You know, people fight. Sometimes the players fight, and then, you know, some people, you know, on the first couple rows, they think, well, gee, I'd like to be in that. And they come down, they get into the fight. Soccer is the worst. I don't know if you're aware of that, but, you know, all over the world, soccer's a big, big game. And in some places... Uh, you know, they'll come down out of the stands from both sides, and there'll be a 1,000 people fighting. I mean, it's a big, big deal. They fight all the time at these big soccer games all over the world. I mean, they just don't think anything about it. It's, uh, it's wild. You know, sometimes uh, there's fights at uh, these wild parties around. Sometimes uh, husbands or wives shoot their mate's lover uh, You know, these things are not so unusual in our day. Unfortunately, some of those things are commonplace. It's happening a lot. At this time, there is an evilness in every city. There is an evilness on TV. It's it's all about us. When I was a little kid, I thought there was something in the darkness that was really bad, and that it was after me. I really thought that. And I wanted a light on in my room all the time. When I was real little, I went to see the movie The Thing. (laughs) Did you see The Thing? I see some people nodding their head. They saw The Thing. That was the first horror movie that came out, The Thing. And... I was probably seven or eight years old when that came out, and I I went to see it. And from then on, my bedroom was on the corner of the house, and there were windows all on this side and windows all on that side. And uh, whenever the limb would brush against the window, I would think, the thing is here. (laughs) You know, he's about to get me. And it was just, it was terrible. I was just scared to death. You know, there's... uh, I've mentioned this a couple of times. There is evilness around us. Uh, In New Orleans, they just report half of the crime. They just report half of the muggings. They just report half of the murders. You know why? Because if they reported everything, nobody would go to New Orleans. The tourists, it would kill the tourist business. So they don't report it. They just lie. Uh, you know, that's, that's really the truth. I had a policeman in New Orleans tell me that. And uh, I believed him. I thought, goodness gracious. Paul says, you know, there's not only evil, there's not only something in the darkness, there's also a time of light. The dawn is almost here. Paul equates the dawn with the return of our Lord. And, of course, that's a wonderful thought. And whenever Christians get together and somebody mentions that, there's a brightness in our hearts and feelings, and 
And we, we love that because it's a great promise that the Lord has made to us. The very thought of the second coming brightens up a Christian gathering anywhere, anytime. Yes, it's dark now, but it's not going to be dark forever. It's not. When Christ is in the picture, everything brightens up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love the uh, lights around our church. It, it, it brings, uh, kind of brings out, uh, uh, you know, everything that we can see and everything we can appreciate. Our cantata, incidentally, is really good. We uh, had it at Freedom Plaza, as uh, he mentioned. We, we had the best drama people we've ever had. They knew all their lines. <clears throat> Uh, it was good. It was really good. And the music was good. And I think that's the biggest crowd we've ever had at Freedom Plaza for, the, uh, for our cantata. And it, it was, the whole thing was really good. It's a great message. You ought to come this Saturday or, or next Sunday night. It's, it's good. You'd like it. We who are members of the community of faith know that the sun is going to rise. We know that. Uh, now we know that the daylight is coming soon. We should not adapt to the darkness like the moles do, but rather we need to let the thought of his appearance brighten our souls today. In verse 12, Paul says, Live as if you were in broad daylight. Broad daylight. Like the time was 12 noon, the sun was out, even though presently we are surrounded by some unpleasant things. Paul's a realist. He is not saying there is no darkness. He's not saying that at all. He is saying that in the midst of whatever darkness we might be in, we ought to think in a very positive way. We know much about the Lord and His ways, and we need to light in, walk in the light of, of that knowledge. Be so thankful for what he's done, for what he's taught us, uh, for the spiritual blessing that he's given to each one of us. Living with the light of the Lord in our heart is contagious. It's very contagious. Every Christmas, we think about the birth of our Lord. We think about the incarnation. We think about baby Jesus. We think about the fact that the Messiah came just as those Old Testament prophets said he would. He came. He was there. He was alive. He grew. He lived a sinless life, died a sacrificial death, and was raised on the third day. We know all that. That is wonderful. Well, when we know all that, there is more light in our hearts and souls. When we consider Easter and its implications, we add to that light. When we think of the theology of Paul and the acts of the apostles and the importance of the Christian tradition, when we think of the faith of our fathers, that light continues to dispel darkness. And we begin to realize what broad daylight is going to be like when our Lord returns. As we remember our conversion, there is a warmth in our heart. There is light in our heart and soul and mind. 
As we think back to that day, that Sunday morning, that Sunday night, and that revival service in the home where we grew up, our mother or daddy led us to Jesus. We remember that time, and it really brightens our spirit in a wonderful, wonderful way. Paul says you live like you are in broad daylight. That's what we ought to do. That, however, is sometimes difficult. We watch the evening news. We see who got murdered here, who got murdered there, uh, what war is going on in some parts of the world. A lot of pain, a lot of problems. There are wars, there are problems in Israel, it seems like, all the time. Problems with our economy. We're almost $20 trillion in debt. One day that is going to come due. Uh, we're going to have to pay that. And, uh, I, you know, that just uh, is of concern to everybody that follows it, that thinks about it. Many of our retirement plans perhaps have been cut back, and that's a problem. We also hear of friends that are sick or friends that are dying, family members that are ill. Sometimes the light is difficult to see. This morning... When many of you got up and you looked outside, it was pitch dark. Pitch dark. You couldn't see a thing. But that didn't bother you at all, did it? Because you knew, you knew for sure that the sun was going to come up. Wasn't a question in your mind about it. We all have faith that in this world, every morning, every morning, the sun is going to rise. In our Christian lives, we know by faith that the light of the world is coming. It's coming. We know that no matter how badly things might look from the outside or how dark it might appear to be, as surely as the sun came up this morning, we are presently living in hopes of high noon spiritually, of Christ's return and our fellowship with him forevermore. Amen. Amen. If we know high noon is coming, we can begin to live like it is already here. Our Lord is going to return in marvelous fashion. It's going to be better than any show in Las Vegas can put on. It's going to be something that will be just so unbelievable we'll just stand there and wonder. Paul says the time of his return is closer than it's ever been. We certainly do not know when our Lord is returning exactly. We're not setting any dates. But we do want to get ready for his return. We want to get our lives in order, our homes in order, our church in order, our neighborhood in order, our nation in order. We want to do all those things. Verse 12 says we want to get rid of our evil deeds. In the course of a year, I visit in a lot of homes. And some people are a bit embarrassed uh, because they left something out and, you know, that I go in and, and they're a little bit embarrassed. I can tell they are. And, and I uh, always want to say to them, you know, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Don't, don't worry about anything. Uh, you know, I didn't come to grade your uh, neatness. You know, that's not why I'm here. Uh, you know, we, we sometimes think, uh, you know, I might be having 
an argument with my husband or wife when the Lord returns. Now, how will that go? I have walked into homes where people, you could tell they were having a big fight, and you walk in, and then they look at you and smile at you, but they don't look at each other. <laughs> you know, you can tell. You can tell. I mean, it's very, very obvious. The people will be nice, but you can tell something has been going on that was not pleasant. How do you suppose it's going to be when our Lord returns? Will we all be sitting in the living room together in our suits and in our dresses? Do you suppose that we will have just kissed our husband or wife and everything will be good and everything will, everybody will be smiling? Do you think that he will come at just the right second for you? It won't matter how clean your house is. I can tell you that. But it will matter how you're treating your family, your neighbors, your fellow man. That'll matter. Verse 13 says, we should be decent and true in everything that we are doing. I was driving through Waimama lately. I drive through there twice a day. And one of the churches had on their little sign out in front of the church, uh, they had this uh, out there on their big sign. It said, get ready, he's coming, capital H. Get ready, he's coming. I love that. I just love that. And I think to myself, well, you know, they understand. They understand. They've got a handle on it. You know, do we have a handle on it? Do we individually, corporately have a handle on it? Are we getting ready? He's coming. He's coming. That's important. I hope you are not judging others. Paul talks about that. Whether inside or outside of the church as to whether or not they're ready. Let's let God do the judging on that. Let's put him in charge of that. Our personal and corporate living is made dark indeed if everyone, even the Christians, have a judgmental attitude. That's not good. If we get up at night and our nightlight has gone out, we kind of stumble around a little bit. We need the light. We really need it. Fish that live at a great depth in the oceans have great big eyes. Did you know that? Some have uh, these great big eyes because they can't see at all if they don't have these great big eyes because it's not real, real bright down at the bottom of the ocean. Not much light there. Well, light is that quality that all of us seek for and all of us want. We want it very much. With all the craziness in the world, it's time for Christians to let their light shine. We want to be shining for the folks that we know, for the folks with whom we interface on a regular basis. If Jesus Christ has come into our heart, there is a light within us that the world cannot extinguish it can't put that light out no matter what they do or what they say and the light can be the light that shows the way for those who will follow behind us in ancient Greece the runner that won the race was not necessarily the guy that crossed over the line first it was the guy that crossed over the line first 
that had his torch, and his torch was still burning. He was the winner. That was the guy that won. Sometimes I'm afraid that we're so busy, we're hustling and bustling around, we're going here, we're going there, we're doing all this stuff. We need to be careful that somewhere along the way our torch goes out. We don't want that to happen. We want our torch to be burning. Well, what time is it? It's time for us to let our light shine in the world in which we live. It's time to let our light shine for the Lord Jesus Christ because he certainly, he certainly was there for us as we will observe in the Lord's Supper in just a couple minutes. It's time for us to move away from the darkness and all the evilness that is associated with it. It's time for us to realize that Christ is coming again and we need to be ready for his appearing. It's time for us to take a stand for him who died for us. Please move out of the shadows today and join him in the light. Perhaps this morning there's somebody in the house that would like to make public their profession of faith in Christ. It's my hope and and dream, and I know it's yours, that everybody that's here, this is a good crowd today, that everybody that is here has already made a public profession of their faith. But there might be someone or two folks that haven't done that. That is the foundation for everything spiritual, every single thing. If you don't lay that foundation, if you don't trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, then nothing else matters. You've got to lay that particular foundation foundation you could trust in him today i hope you will if you don't know him and then just just walk down the aisle in a few minutes take a stand for christ if you're here you've been visiting with us for a good time you'd like to join our church we want you to we're encouraging you to hope you will i'm going to stand right down here at the front we're going to stand and sing if the lord leads you just slip out slip forward and take a stand for him as he did for you let's stand together as we sing